Hello and welcome to the AIM Horsemanship Podcast. From horse training in general to just connecting and having fun with our horses, I'm always learning so I hope you enjoy coming along for this horsemanship journey with me. So today I want to talk about Lima, um, L-I-M-A, which stands for Least Intrusive, Minimally Aversive. So obviously I just want to start as always by saying I'm not a professional, I'm just showing what I know, so I'll just apologise in advance for any misinformation and um, yeah, obviously I'm not a professional but I'm just sharing what I've learned and things like that that I think might be helpful or resonate with you. So I hope you enjoy listening. Um, I'm also going to be discussing in this episode the humane hierarchy um, and things like that. I also, this episode, I'm mainly just going to be discussing the actual thing and like saying what they are and explaining them as opposed to talking about the opinions and controversy and um, any thoughts surrounding them because I might go into that in a future episode but this episode is just more about what it actually is and what it stands for and the humane hierarchy and all the different levels on that and how to go through it and stuff. Um, but if you are interested in some of the like questions surrounding it and things like that, I definitely recommend listening to one of Equiosity, um, Equiosity's podcast episodes with Dr. Susan Friedman, where they discussed the hierarchy and whether it was all correct. And they also there was some discussion as to whether negative reinforcement should all be under the same umbrella, because obviously negative reinforcement has many varying degrees um there's like the very gentle sort of Elsa Sinclair freedom-based training style negative reinforcement which is literally just I would just say as simple as changing your focus could be pressure and release um in that way in that aspect even though it's not necessarily aversive but then I guess negative reinforcement is inherently aversive so I don't know about that but um and then obviously there's the very escalating very very aversive negative reinforcement uh, heavy use of positive punishment kind of thing which is on the other end um, which is you know not exactly shouldn't exactly be under the same umbrella um, as the first one which is a very gentle negative reinforcement um, so yeah there's definitely some interesting discussion around that but in this episode let's get into what the hierarchy um, and the acronym actually is so as far as I believe Lima is a standard um, upheld by the IAABC, which stands for the International Association for Animal Behavioural Consultants. I'm not 100% clear on like whether all of their trainers have to be Lima to be qualified under them or whether it's something that they can do. But yeah, I'm not exactly sure on that, but it is something that the IAABC have a lot of information about and uphold a lot. So if you're interested in um, looking more into it, I definitely recommend looking at their stance on it and um, looking under their website at Lima and the Hierarchy. Um, so Lima basically means to use the least intrusive and minimally aversive training method or procedure possible to um, help with the horse of a certain behaviour or do something with the horse. And I'm specifically talking about horses here, but it does apply to all animals Okay, so um, according to, um, I think it's Dr. Susan Friedman, in order to follow the Lima principle, um, there's a hierarchy that goes along with it. So I'm just going to talk a little bit about that. Um, so the hierarchy is basically a list of different procedures, um, obviously starting um, with the least intrusive, minimally aversive, and then as you go down each one, 
like work through each one if it comes to it then obviously punish positive punishment would be at the bottom if you go onto the iaabc um and you look at lima under the iaabc then you'll see that they have a really good um image or diagram showing the hierarchy of behavior change procedures um so they call it the hierarchy of behavior change procedures most positive least intrusive effective intervention so that's basically what the hierarchy is showing and if you look on their website they do it differently not so much like a hierarchy going from top to bottom but it's actually a car going along a road and then exit one is like the least intrusive minimally aversive and then there's oh um lots of other exits and then there's um a yellow sign and a barrier for well the yellow signs for like the second most aversive i believe and then there's a barrier and a stop sign before positive punishment at the end as well as this iaabc image um diagram showing the humane hierarchy there are obviously lots of other resources you can look at that explain it in a different way and some of them are slightly ever so slightly different but most of them it's all the same sort of rough idea so basically the first exit um, or the first step that you would take um, involves wellness so this would be your medical physical and nutritional health so obviously before you do anything you want to look at the animal's lifestyle you want to look at the horse's medical side so if they have any physical issues and obviously i never believe that pain can be fully ruled out um if you're interested a bit more in that i definitely recommend looking at i think it's kathy sierra from panther flow she does a lot on equine pain science and and why pain can never be fully ruled out um but yeah that was that's something i would definitely check first and definitely look into um and also physical health um how the horse is physically and obviously this is very heavily influenced by their environment. For example, if they're going long periods of time in a stable with no forage, they're very likely to get gastric ulcers and things like that. Although gastric ulcers are extremely common in horses as it is. So it can be very difficult to um, avoid, which is why it's very important to focus on the horse's lifestyle. And obviously there's nutritional health. So this is the, um, the horse's diet. So I'm not a nutritionist by any means, but I have looked into diet a lot, especially because my horses are barefoot and the hooves are so heavily affected by diet. Um, so if you're interested in that, I definitely recommend looking into it. I might do a podcast episode on it in future, but right now I just don't feel I have the information to do a fully informative episode on nutrition. But yeah, that's that's everything in the first step or exit in the humane hierarchy. Um, or the hierarchy of interventions which are minimally aversive and least intrusive um so the next one is actually antecedent arrangements and i pretty much did a whole episode on this when i was talking about making training easy and setting up for success so if you're interested in that um yeah definitely look at that but antecedent basically means what comes before i also did an episode where i was discussing abc which is antecedent behavior consequence um so obviously the antecedent is what comes before the behaviour. Um, but when you look into loopy training, it's everything kind of links together. Um, I believe Alexandra Curlin came up with the 
kind of idea of loopy training. So yeah, that's definitely really interesting to look into because you can see that every single behavior links together. You can also look more at what comes before each behavior. And then you can even look at what comes before what comes before the behavior you want to reinforce, which obviously means your timing would be bang on. And you're also more likely to be able to manipulate the environment to make it more likely for the horse to actually perform the behavior that you're looking for. Um, so by changing the antecedent you could actually just stop you could actually just remove the undesired behavior altogether and um, cause the horse to inadvertently perform a new behavior that you actually want to reinforce without them even really having to think about it um, which is a really easy minimally aversive least intrusive way of um, doing it so yeah that's the second stop um, the next one is positive reinforcement and I kind of covered that a bit before in the previous one which I might have been a bit wrong I don't think you're supposed to use any kind of reinforcement in the second step it's simply manipulating the antecedents and the arrangement of that um, so yeah the third step down or the third exit depending on which one you're looking at is actually positive reinforcement um, so yeah obviously this the main focus of this podcast is actually positive reinforcement like um but obviously positive reinforcement sorry is the addition of something the horse wants in order to increase behavior so obviously you'd have your bridge signal um which i use a for penny and a for izzy um i'm sure most listeners already understand this and if you don't i did do an episode discussing kind of the basics um which you might want to go back and listen to which might help you understand this but um, basically reward-based training using a bridge signal to indicate to the animal when they have done the right thing and when a reward is coming. Um, you can also use conditioned reinforcers. So obviously if you're using praise or patting horse or whatever, um, not the horses generally enjoy patting that much, but if you're using, say, stroking or praising the horse, they're not automatically necessarily going to understand that that's a reward. But if you actually can classically condition the two um, to be positive and reinforcing for the animal, then you can use them as well. And um, yeah, so positive reinforcement would be the third step after the medical wellness stuff and then the antecedent arrangement, which some people may be a bit surprised at because you might think you would go straight in and tackle with um, the plus R training. But actually, it's really important to look at the horse's lifestyle, wellness as a whole, first of all, and then the actual behaviour starts to dig a bit deeper. What are the antecedents? What can we change? How can we change it to set the animal up for success? And everything like that before actually getting into positive reinforcement training. Next up, um, on the fourth exit on the road image and the fourth step down on the hierarchy, we have differential reinforcement of alternative behaviours. So what this basically means is to reinforce an acceptable replacement behaviour and remove the maintaining reinforcer for the problem behaviour. Um, so obviously if a, if a problem behaviour is being re reinforced, um, then once you've exhausted all other options of the above, um, then you would need to remove that reinforcer, which it, it is... It does depend on a lot of things in the previous steps. And um, in most of the like diagrams or graphics for it, I can see there is either a stop sign or something like that or a question mark for this one that I'm looking at saying have you exhausted all options which is sort of like a pre-warning to make sure that you're not just going into that territory without making sure you, that you have exhausted all other options um, and obviously there are some cases where you might need to do this depending on the severity of the behavior and whether or not it's in the animal's best interest to do this 
Um, but yeah, it means to reinforce an acceptable replacement behaviour. And um, so basically to reward, and I think Alexandra calls it an equal and incompatible behaviour. Um, so obviously the horse can't rear if their nose is on the ground. So if you reinforce nose on the ground, um, then that's an incompatible behaviour. And obviously you do also want to think about the function of the problem behaviour. See if you can teach them something else that gives them the same reward that the problem behaviour was giving them. Like let's say um, let's say something was reinforcing because it meant they could get away from a certain thing. So bolting becomes reinforcing because they can get away from the hacking route they're scared of. Okay, let's think of how we can change that so they don't need to carry out that function. Um, and in other cases, maybe give them another behaviour that gives them the same reward that the previous behaviour gave them, if that makes sense. Um, so, for example, a horse that's barging into the feeder room wants to get the food. The function of the behaviour is to get the food. How about we give them what they want, which is the food, for backing out of the tack room? Um, so, they obviously, this doesn't always need to be done, but to... Um, use the function of the previous behaviour. So, for example, diving for grass. The function is to get the grass. Um, let's give the horse a grazing break when they keep their head up and keep their attention on you. So, you basically use what they wanted. I'm going off track here from the hierarchy. But you basically use what they wanted in the first place to reinforce a different behaviour, if that makes any sense. Um, I didn't explain it very well there at all, and I used some pretty bad examples that weren't very good. But um, I couldn't think of anything better because I hadn't planned to talk about that. But I have spoken about it in previous episodes if you want to go back and listen. Um, so then the next step down, which on some of the graphics has like a barrier and a stop sign. And on some of them says, have you really exhausted all other options of a question mark? Um, to make sure you're just not just going down into this unnecessarily. Um, but this final step is extinction, negative punishment and negative reinforcement sorry my mistake this isn't the final step um but is in some of them some of them the final step is positive punishment this basically means um obviously negative punishment is the removal of something the animal wants in order to decrease the likelihood of a behavior so for example this is not a very good example i personally would never do this because i believe it is quite counterproductive but some people if they see a horse displaying certain behaviours while they're eating their food, easy pinning their ears at other horses, they might just go and remove that food bucket to negatively reinforce the um, resource guarding behaviour. And obviously in that case, I'd go work on the resource guarding and things like that, and I wouldn't use the negative punishment in that way. Um, I would work on reinforcing other behaviours and setting the horse up for success so they don't feel the need to resource guard. Um, but yeah, obviously negative reinforcement is... Um, the removal of an aversive in order to increase um, the likelihood of a behaviour. So this could be, um, this could be, I'm trying to think of something because it's been so long since I properly used like escalating negative reinforcement or anything like that. I find it hard to think of examples, but uh, let's say the horse um, doesn't refuses to move forward. Obviously, the negative reinforcement would be um, well, the positive punishment would be putting your leg on while the horse is removing to refusing to move forwards, and the negative reinforcement would be the removal of that leg when the horse does move forward. Um, so yeah, that's a pretty basic example, but I hope that makes sense. And then there's extinction, which means to permanently remove the maintaining reinforcer to suppress the behaviour or reduce its baseline levels. Um, and this I'm reading from a source from the IAABC. Um, so yeah, I'm not claiming to be um, coming up with these just that description myself but 
um, as the IAABC put it, extinction, as I said, is to permanently remove the maintaining reinforcer to suppress the behaviour or reduce it to baseline levels. Um, so yeah, I I think that I oh my gosh, I can't actually remember who said this now. Um, when I do find out, I'll put it in a future podcast episode. But I think they said happiness is a function of reinforcement. Depression is a function of punishment and frustration is a function of extinction. Um, frustration is a big one for over-arousal and frustration behaviours, especially in horses, especially in horses like Penny, who are very lively and very easily frustrated. Um, so I definitely avoid extinction with her. Um, obviously, there are some like micro-extinctions that are used in shaping. But as far as macro-extinction... Um, it's a big thing that I try to avoid. I try to avoid frustration in general um, with horses and that's something I wouldn't generally do. Um, but yeah, that's basically covering the entire hierarchy and that's about all I have to say on that as far as what it actually is. Um, I know I haven't spoke much on my actual opinion on any of it or differing controversy around it, but as I said, I might talk about that in future. Thank you for listening to the aim horsemanship podcast i hope you enjoyed this episode and if you found it helpful or if it resonated with you in any way i'd really appreciate if you could share it so that other people can hear it um if you would like to check out any homemade um crafts or personalized gifts please check out creations of cornwall on facebook also if you'd like to follow me on instagram to see videos of the horses and updates on what we're doing my instagram is underscore dot a dot i dot m dot underscore horsemanship underscore thanks again for listening and i hope to see you next time Thank you.